Welcome, Wildcats, to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Football Show. We are a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network, and I am your host, Colby Peterson, on the show today. Um, Stephen Salmon joining us again. Stephen, uh, wrapping up, getting close to that Thanksgiving break now, man. It's within within view uh, for many students, and including instructors like yourself, man. You getting excited for Turkey Day? I am. I, I am absolutely looking forward because once we hit Thanksgiving, it's the, the semester's done, basically. Yeah. Wrapping things up. World Cup is happening during Thanksgiving, yeah. which I'm really excited for, of course, on top of, you know, the normal football stuff. So um looking forward to it. Thanks. Turkey Day is there, but just a couple of weeks away. Let's not look too far because we got a couple of weeks of football left. Also on the show today, we've got a couple of titles here for Kyler. We've got FCS Fans Nation panelist proprietor of the Eagles power hour now, because uh, I haven't seen Rusty in a while. I know he's still out there, but I uh, haven't seen him in a while. Nope. Yep. He, he's a little busy. He's doing firefighter stuff. Got a family doing, being a good dad. So he's like, Kyler, I really need to take a season on. I'll jump on for maybe a few basketball games. I was like, you do what you got to do. Yeah, this is great. all for free. Take care of your family, man. I can handle it. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, well see Rusty again. On. Yeah, we'll see Rusty again soon. But we, like I said, we got Kyler Neal to talk to us a little bit about the national uh, playoff picture. So, Kyler, I mean, I know you're a busy man. You've already recorded FCS Fans Nation today. Uh, we're recording this on Monday if you're watching it live. And so uh, a busy man. So really appreciate you sir, for taking a little time to hop on and chat about the national picture with us, man. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate it, man. I'll talk football. It doesn't matter. It's either watching TV with my wife or talking football. Either way, <laughs> she's going to get annoyed. So it's easy to talk football, <laughs> man, especially when we're, you know, we're in the we're in the, the final weeks of the season. I mean, a lot has happened. A lot happened last week. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, but before we get into all that, guys, want to encourage everybody. Uh, like we said, we're going to talk about today's show national playoff po- picture we'll talk with that kyler about that then of course we'll do a game recap about the game against sac state on saturday and kind of talk through the way it went and kind of the the what might have been's and kind of the way that the wildcats ended up dropping that one 33 to 30 before we get into all that i encourage everybody subscribe to the show apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher youtube all great places to find weber state weekly we encourage you to please rate us on those platforms. I really appreciate the folks that take some time to give us those five stars or whatever it may be. Um, Really makes a difference in the algorithm for us. And so if you're willing, please just take a second to do that. Also on social media, like we also Instagram, Twitter, good places to find us. And then you can be a a patron, go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. I want to always thank our patrons for helping us keep the lights on here at Weber State Weekly. You guys are the best. So, uh, Kyle, let's talk a little bit about it, man. The national playoff picture, things are getting tight. Uh, we were talking just before we hopped on here tonight that um, this is a really interesting year because there are a lot of really good teams across the subdivision. It's not like in years past where you get a, a really heavy contingent of teams coming from one or two particular conferences and then everything else is just sort of auto qualifiers, auto bids. It is not the case this year. Many leagues that normally only see one are potentially going to get two, maybe even three in the cases of some that we'll talk about just in a minute. But I mean, start us off, man. Talk a little bit about like, as the weeks have gone on, just teams have really started to separate themselves. And like we said, the bubble to get in the turn in, to get in the playoffs this year is pretty big. Yeah, it's it's insane because I've I've been online pretty vocal saying that there's never 24 worthy playoff teams. It really should go down to 20 or 16 teams. This is the first year that I remember where I'm going. All right. In any other given previous year, this team's resume, they're in the playoffs. 
Now I'm looking at this bubble. There's there's probably still 20 teams that are fighting for maybe the last five spots, which is ridiculous. Normally, two weeks left, it's already narrowed down to six teams, and we go, all right, there's got to be some chaos for maybe even this team to join. Now we're going, there just has to be chaos for this team to lose their playoff bid. Um, like, I mean, when we're looking at the big sky, I have said there should be five teams throughout the whole year. I still think there's five to six playoff worthy teams. Sure. The more this bubble is kind of increasing because that's what it's doing. It's not decreasing. It's actually increasing this late in the season. I don't see how the big guys get more than four teams. I mean, that's insane because one really good team that is potentially a top 10 caliber team in the nation is not going to have the resume to make the postseason. We were talking in the, in the, you know, FCS fans nation podcast about Youngstown state. Mm. They have a chance to win out. They're eight and three. An eight and three Valley team gets in because in the past we've seen six and five Valley team gets in. They're not on. They're almost on the outside looking in at eight and three in the Valley because the bubble is so big. You need these key wins. And unfortunately, a lot of teams don't have key signature wins, but they got they got tons of wins, if that makes sense. So that, that's where the bubble is just insane this year is because there are so many teams that meet seven wins, meet eight wins, meet nine wins that don't have the key signature wins, which is really creating a whole divide. There's probably 32 playoff worthy teams in this year's postseason, And there's going to be, unfortunately, normally I say the committee got it right. I don't have any issues. Maybe one team every now and then there's probably 10 teams where I'm like, yeah, if the committee puts him in over that, I get it. I understand. I can make an argument for it. Do I agree with it? Maybe not, but that that's how big this bubble is. And I mean, if you want to go dive into the details of each conference, I'm more than willing to chat about it, but yeah, there's going to be some really upset fan bases who think they're a top tier team that aren't just going to have the resume to get in because there's so many conferences that do deserve more than two teams this year. Stephen, want to give you a chance, man. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about Kyler, man. What are you thinking about this national playoff picture as we get into the last couple of weeks of the season? All right. So I think I see where you're going with the big sky and four teams. And I think the problem is, if Idaho beats Sac or not Idaho, if Davis beats Sac State, then they're in. But I don't think Davis is beating Sac State. And I think Montana has to beat Montana State. And I don't think Montana's beating Montana State. Yeah. So I see the I absolutely see those four teams with three seeds, which is impressive. Who is your sleeper? Who's that team that you're like, if they get in, watch out? In the big sky or just kind of across the board? Across the board. Okay, because I do think those two big ski, big sky teams you mentioned are among maybe the top 12 teams in the nation. I mean, UC Davis doesn't have a good win, but they're doing what a top-ranked team should do. They're murdering all the bad teams. Right. I would not want to see them in the playoffs right now if they do get hot, especially if they win out. Let's say they win out. Idaho and Sac State you're not wanting to see that hot of a team because that's only how they're getting in. I think they actually have to beat both of the teams, to be honest, because the field is so big. So if they went out and they're in, I, I don't want to play UC Davis. They also took South Dakota state to the wire. I mean, it was a, a failed two point conversion and the wildcats, right? They, the wildcats <laughs> only win that game by five. Yeah. Like, and it's a weird one. Like the wildcat, sure. that was the worst. The wildcat offense has looked all season. And, and it was because of their defense. I mean, Dan Hawkins schemed extremely well. But then you also look at Montana. I don't think anyone wants to face a Montana, healthy Montana, with their quarterback. With right? Lucas Johnson, yeah. They, they've played, what, three ranked teams, top-tier ranked teams in Idaho, 
Sac State and Weber. Two of those, they didn't have their quarterback, right? Yeah, Lucas Johnson looks what? Yeah, one and a half. But that half game, they were murdering with their starting quarterback, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't want to play Montana in the playoffs um, unless maybe I'm a Weber, South Dakota State, Sac State, maybe just a few of those good teams, North Dakota State. But then you look at like an incarnate word. I mean, Lindsey Scott Jr. is having a season that makes Eric Berrier's impressive season last year look pathetic. That That's crazy to say. He's having a historic season where he's throwing 75%. He's had two games where he's had seven touchdowns in the first half. He has an FBS dominant win. I mean, he's doing whatever he can do. I mean, I've never seen a quarterback play at this level at the FCS. He's, he's literally having a record-breaking season. So I wouldn't want to play Incarnate Word in the playoffs. But outside of like some of those auto bids, outside of the big sky and maybe a few CA teams, I don't think there's a lot of bubbles that I would fear to make deep runs. The SOCON has a couple teams where like um, Chattanooga, if they play a team who's one dimensional on offense, Chattanooga can, can, defense can cause some problems. Yes, they can. But if they can play a balanced team, well, especially on the road, I probably would favor one of the other balanced teams over Chattanooga. But I mean, yeah, there's a lot of good teams in, in the field this year. But I would really, out of like those main bubbles, it, it's Montana, UC Davis, Idaho, surprisingly, because they might be a bubble team if they lose to UC Davis. Um, yeah, there's a lot of big sky teams I would actually fear in the postseason if I was another conference. Hmm. So, Kyler, this weekend, like we said, the Wildcats fell to the Hornets in Ogden on Saturday. Um, not the way we had hoped. Wildcats lose by three, the number two team in the nation. They fall from five to seven. There are a couple of teams that jumped ahead of them in in the stats poll. Uh, I think it's Incarnate Word and Holy Cross both. Yes, Incarnate Word and Holy Cross. Holy Cross now at five. Incarnate Word at six with the Wildcats at seven in the stats poll. Is that fair? Do you think the, the uh, should the Wildcats have fallen further because now they have two losses? They're now sitting ahead of William and Mary, who also has an FBS win, who's playing in the CAA, and they're sitting at uh, eight and one, I believe. Yeah, William and Mary sitting at eight and one while the Wildcats are sitting at seven and two. Should the Wildcats have fallen further? Um, I don't think so. I actually, because, you know, we vote in our own little poll. I dropped Weber State from four to five. So they have two wins. Who are they two? They're close games versus two and three team. And potentially there's an argument for one of those to be the number one team. You saw North Dakota State just drop a few. North Dakota State doesn't have any good wins. That's the difference. Weber State has a good win. They have a win against Montana. Um, William and Mary, the difference is they lost to Elon, right? They didn't lose to a top three team. They lost to Elon. Still a really good team. Still a playoff caliber team, especially if they win out. But, I mean, that's kind of what we're looking at. Holy Cross's best wins are um, Fordham right now, who I actually think is a really good team. Yeah, which was, um, which was like an instant classic. That game was an absolute was shootout a couple of weeks ago. What a great game. And some people think Fordham's just bad because they're in the Patriot League. Their only losses are to what is going to be a seeded team and then a very close last play to the team that's going to win the MAC. <laughs> like, that is their, their two losses. They're a really good team who can get in a shootout with almost anyone. But, I mean, outside of that, Weber State's strength of schedule, much better than Holy Cross. Yeah. They do have a better win. I think Montana is better than Fordham. Um, Weber State does have a very dominant FBS win. Yes, the FBS team wasn't that great this year, but they're not bad. They're a middle-of-the-road Mountain West team, so that's solid. And then, you know, Incarnate Word, they have a worse loss than you guys have. Sure, they may have... 
I don't even think they have a better win right now. Um, Nevada is, you know, the worst Mountain West team. Yeah, I was going to say, um, they hammered Nevada, which is also a Mountain West them. team. But like you said, Nevada has really been bad this year. Nevada has been really bad. So the difference on why maybe incarnate words above Weber and some people's polls is how they're beating teams, right? They're, I mean, they beat Southern Illinois by 35. They've hammered Nevada. They're beating decent bad teams and even good teams, but they're beating the crap out of them. The difference is when I look at Weber's resume compared to Southern or um, incarnate words, I do think even though you have two losses, you still have a better overall resume. You still have a stronger <coughs> strength of schedule. So I actually think dropping down to seven is a little unfair. You have arguments to still be above <coughs> North Dakota state realistically. I mean, if you're comparing resume to resume, their best win is North Dakota. Do you think Montana is better than North Dakota? I, I would do. bet on Montana yeah. to beat North Dakota. So yeah, they have a, maybe a better loss in South Dakota state and a close loss, but you have close losses for teams ranked above North Dakota state. So it's one of those things. Yeah. I, I think that position's fair. Anywhere from five to seven is realistic and fair. Yeah. North Dakota, a team that barely survives NAU in Flagstaff early in the season. Um, not a good look from them, but let me ask you one more question about Holy cross and incarnate word before we move on. Yeah. Do you feel that they have essentially locked in a seed at this point? Like, obviously, there are two weeks left remaining in the schedule and anything can happen. Should they lose one of those games? Yes, that will affect them, but it looks like they probably won't. So have they pretty much locked in a seed at this point, even if they were to lose one of those games or if they stumble for some reason, they blow their chances at being a seeded team and they'll have to play the first weekend? Yeah. Yeah. They both definitely need to win out um, just because the strength of schedule hasn't been that impressive. Right. They've beaten all the teams they needed to besides, you know, incarnate word does have that one loss to SLU. So even if they win out, there may be only an eight seed, a seven seed in the committee's eyes. So for sure they need to win out, but yeah, Holy cross definitely needs to win out because their strength of schedule is pretty porous. Um, but if any one of them lose, yeah, I think they're both out of a seed. They're still probably a lock for the postseason, I would assume. Yeah. But uh, maybe not even incarnate word because they actually have a D2 win. And then that loss, if they lose one more, they actually might be out of the postseason, which is crazy. So they just need to probably stay, you know, win out. If they win out, they're probably a seed, maybe an eight seed. If they lose, they may not even be in the postseason. So you can go from an eight seed to not even in the postseason with one loss. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. So there was some conversation today on the Weber State fans page about somebody thinks we've lost, we lost a seed, the ability to be a seed. And my response was, yeah, no, our strength of schedule is going to be one of the top in the country. We lost by a total of what? Eight points to arguably potentially the number one and number three seed. Cause I could see Sac, if Sac State wins out, I think Sac State's the number one seed. Yeah, I think because they would they would also have a win over UC Davis at that point in time. And I think you can't as good as South Dakota State is. I think you've got to put Sac State one if they've got an FBS win and they're undefeated. And they had that. I mean, Big Sky is brutal. It is not a fun league to have to play in. No, Um, but I still think we I think Weber is at worst the six or seven seed. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to get much higher than a five no. seed right now. Um, I mean, two losses is two losses. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you went out, I do think six to eight is kind of that range where Weber State fits in. And I do think 
they're probably a top five team. Um, they had kind of their own issues, which really cost them some of these games, right? Uh, teams have cost both, right? Yeah, we can go on this probably for hours because you know what? I'm just happy it's not my team that's only failing in a special team. So thank you, Weber State. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're kind of self-inflicted wounds. Sure. And, and yeah, I don't think you can look at Weber State's strength of schedule, look at who they lost to and in good games and look at who they beat and go, and eh, they're probably not a top eight team. I, I, I think as long as they went out, they do secure a six through eight seed. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not out. But if you lose one game, yeah, you're you're out. And there's a chance you may be on the bubble as a last four in, last four out with one more loss. It is crazy this year. Well, because you do have that D2 game, right? Yes, we have a D2 game. So and that our does last hurt. Two- and our last two games are Idaho State and NAU. So yeah, so those should be wins, but NAU is a little weird for you guys. Um, in Flagstaff too, so that's so all. That makes it a little one. worse for you guys. Yeah, but but yeah, that D two win is the thing that's making it a little bit questionable because I don't know if you guys remember last year, Eastern Washington, we had that D two win because Jacksonville State canceled on us, just like James Madison canceled on you guys. Yeah. Very similar situation. Our two losses were to the two top ranked teams in the Big Sky. We had a win over Montana, which was a top-ranked team. We had one of the best strength of schedules. We had an FBS win. We were out of the seeds, and Montana got in, even though we had the head-to-head because they didn't have that D2 win. So your schedule is actually looking almost identical to Eastern Washington's last year. The same type of wins, the same type of losses. That's where it could get a little funky. Um, So I didn't want to scare you guys, but Eastern was on the outside sitting in, even though everyone thought we deserved a seed. Even Montana said, nope, Eastern Washington definitely deserves a seat over a SOCON team. But we were on the outside looking in. So it's it's not a for sure thing for Weber. That D2 team, that does hurt a little bit because I did forget about that until I just, it popped in my head and went, wait a minute, you, you guys had JMU. And unfortunately, they canceled. So you got a D2 team. It doesn't help you. It doesn't hurt you, but it doesn't help you. And right now you need every single win possible. So yeah, maybe I'm not as sold now. I don't know. It's going to be tough. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the SOCON uh, because they've, they've got an interesting thing going. They're a very, it's a very split league right now where they've got four really good teams and then there's just everybody else. And so Mm -hmm. right now, Sanford, Chattanooga, Furman and Mercer are all taking spots 10 through 14 with, I think Richmond mixed in there at 12. So a little bit of CAA action, but it's a, it's a SOCON sandwich in the, in the rankings right now. Is there a possibility that, I mean, there's going to be some things that happen there. Those teams, I think a few of them will play each other in the coming weeks. And so things will this shake week. out a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So so the nice thing for the SOCON, if you're a big Sky fan, like maybe a Montana fan, and you really want to get in the field, Sanford plays one of the top four teams. They all, all four top teams play each other this weekend. So they all have one FCS loss and they kind of beat up each other. And then Sanford's undefeated versus the FCS. Yeah. So, you know, two more teams are getting an FCS loss. But the SOCON's good this year. And it's it's different on maybe why we haven't seen so many bids from the SOCON the previous years because all of them were okay. No one was exceptional besides maybe one team, but no one was also really bad. The difference is they have a big sky caliber schedule when you look at it. The top half is clearly much better than the bottom half this year, which yeah. means if you have four teams that are gonna be three losses and two, I mean all of them are FBS losses. So really eight and two versus the FCS and then one team, maybe nine and one versus the FCS or 10 and one, I guess, um, and nine and two. I don't know. I don't know how you keep any of them out. 
Do they get yeah. three? That's my question to you. Do they get three or is it really just two that you think? I think as of right now, it's hard to decline them from getting three bids in. But then again, you look at the bubble and that's where it gets confusing because the bubble is so large this year. If, if you asked me this three weeks ago, I'd just go, yeah, they probably get two to three. Now I'm looking at it because they've all done what they're supposed to do. They beat up all their bad teams. Now they're only losing to each other. Where in previous years, they were losing to some of the teams at the bottom of the conference. They're not doing that this year, which which makes it kind of exciting. This seems like the SoCon of maybe five years ago where they actually had four teams in the postseason. Um, I mean, that's kind of what the SoCon looks like this year. But because the bubble's so big, I don't know if you would put maybe a eight and three SoCon team over a eight and three Missouri Valley or seven and four Big Sky. I don't know where the committee is going to lean with that. Mm. But that eight and three team, in my opinion, would be deserving. So it, it's going to be tough. Two to four. I mean, I mean that's the realistic answer, which is yeah, I think two is a lock. Answer. Two's a lock. I think two's they'll get lock. two. Three. We'll see how it shakes out. Four. Yeah. Uh, I think four is a stretch. I, I have a feeling uh, FCS Twitter is going to blow up yeah. on Selection Sunday. Like <laughs> I just, I just have a gut feeling that it's just going to be a madhouse because it's, you know, in my eight years following FCS football, this is probably the most chaotic year we've seen where it's just the top four seeds are probably pretty solid. And after that, I'm not going to be shocked about anything. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be fun. Now, one thing that does help, if you're not a SoCon hater or not a SoCon fan, they don't really have any key at a conference resume building wins. I mean, one of them was against Kennesaw State, who was a really solid program, a playoff caliber team. They're not this year, right? They're, they don't have that same effective triple option. They're not beating teams. That was like that key signature win in the SoCon. So that that kind of helps when, when you don't have a good out of conference resume and maybe you don't have the historic backing of the last few years, even though you're eight and three or maybe nine and two. Do you, do you keep that eight and three team in? Normally you would from a SoCon team. An eight and three used to be a lock no matter what. If you're from the SoCon, Missouri Valley, CA, Big Sky. Eight and three gets you in no matter what. It may not get you in this year from multiple conferences. Hmm. Kyler, another another question about you know those top conferences in the FCS. Right now we have South Dakota State at number one, North Dakota State. If you look at the stats poll, number four mm-hmm. after that there's a big drop you don't yeah. see another valley team until 19 at, with north dakota so you talked about youngstown state um missouri missouri state has underperformed this year siu has shot themselves in the foot does the does the valley get more than three teams in or is three even three probably just like a stretch like just three is going to be it so if you asked me two weeks ago, yeah, they had a lock for three. I don't know, because again, now, now you're looking at this like I thought North Dakota, if they went seven and four, they would be a lock because their strength of schedule is going to be top five in the nation. Yeah, it is. In a year, if you're in the Missouri Valley and you're seven, four with a strength of schedule is top five in the nation, you are a lock to get in the postseason. It's not the case this year. If, if they lose a North Dakota state, which I assume they will. They probably will. Yeah. Who's their good win? I mean. Is it Youngstown State, who's potentially going to be eight and three? 
Because Youngstown State's last two games are Missouri State, who looks like they've fallen off a big cliff. And then, you know, this team, Southern Illinois, who is really up and down. We don't know who we're getting each week from them. They look like world beaters, and they look like they're a Pioneer League team every single week. I don't know who we're getting from them. So if Youngstown State goes eight and three, again, that is always a lock for the Missouri Valley, but they don't have key wins. Their key wins going to be Northern Iowa, but then that's it. I mean, they're at a conference resume is really bad. I think with Dayton and Duquesne, that's not anything to, you know, be proud of. And then they've, they won't have any ranked wins, North Dakota. I mean, they lost a South Dakota state. They've lost a Southern Illinois. If they lose a North Dakota state, even though they'll have a top five strength of schedule at seven, four, I think they're out. I think you have to keep them out. So right now I only see maybe let's see who else is on here. Southern. Yeah. I, I, Maybe, maybe it's only a two big league this year, which is crazy. Which is crazy, right? Like we're talking about a conference that has absolutely dominated in Frisco, that there's always a Valley team in Frisco. Most It'll of the be time, this year, probably. Yeah, most of the time in the Valley <laughs> yeah. team is North Dakota State, and that's what it is. But I mean, South Dakota State was there uh, in, in recent memory, even though it was that weird short season. Um, the Valley is, you know, one of the top conferences in the country and to think of them only getting two teams in potentially, I think it just kind of hammers home the point that you've made here that the bubble is just really, the bar is high this year. Yeah. The bar is very, very high. There's going to be a so lot that, of eight winning teams. So that leads me just to my last question then, man, a couple weeks, the Grizz will take the trip over to Bozeman to face the cats. Um, cat Grizz is, this is probably one of the more impactful cat Grizz games in a while. I think we said that last year, but mm-hmm. this one feels big because Montana, I think the, you've made the case. Montana is fairly desperate this year in needing to beat the cats and it's on the road. They have to go to Bobcat stadium and face them. I don't mind because it's like, well, the weather is not going to be a problem, but it's not like, SLUs coming to Missoula to face them. Or something. Right. Like, like that's, they're used to this, right? They're, they're neighbors. But should the Grizz not get the win in Bozeman, even if it's a close loss, I mean, at seven and four, are they done? Because like you said, you've made the point here. The bubble is just so big and there are there is not a signature win on the resume to justify it, even though the strength of schedule is there. Yeah, it's um it's crazy and unfortunate. So if you asked me this morning, I would have said, Yeah, Grizz are last four in. The, I listened to the Grizz fan podcast today too. I mean, they were pretty confident at seven and four they're in. The more I, I do a deep dive into this, right. And actually look at it, the whole picture. I don't see how a seven and four Grizz team does get in, which is, is crazy because I, I think we will all say it. And I don't have any ill will saying this. The Grizz are definitely a playoff team at seven and four. Yeah. I think they would beat a lot of teams on the field, but without a signature win, the CA might have, Six to seven teams with eight wins. <laughs> the SOCOM we just talked about might have four teams with eight wins. Who's the Grizz best win at that point? It's going to be South Dakota, who's a really bad Missouri Valley team. Is it going to be Eastern Washington, who is a really bad Big Sky team this year? You do need a signature win this year, especially if we're talking about um, Youngstown State potentially not getting in at eight wins from the Valley. I mean, is there's resume going to be worse than Montana's? I don't think so. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting. There's only what 12 spots this year available for the auto bids. 
And I mean, depending on what we see from the Ohio Valley coin flip that I really <laughs> doubt no one's going to see that coin flip. It's going to be somewhere hidden along. I mean, do you give a, a two loss SEMO team in over Montana? Potentially they do have at least that win over Southern Illinois. So that's probably a better win than anything on Montana's schedule, unfortunately, which is pretty crazy that a mediocre Missouri Valley team might be the best win um, comparing those two. I don't know if I'm the Grizz. I I do not want to lose that last week. I know a lot of them think it's a guaranteed spot to get in. The more you look at it, unless there's crazy chaos that only benefits the big sky. I don't know how the Grizz are making it in at seven and four this specific year. Because the other thing is, if Davis gets a win over, let's say Davis beats Idaho and loses to Sac State. They deserve it over I think they deserve it over Montana because at least they would, they would have the common, the commonality of having a win over Idaho where Montana does not And Montana's a brutal schedule, like, and they've lost close games and I feel for them. And we just lost one ourselves, right? (laughs) Well, absolutely. absolutely. And we, we were in that boat last year Yeah, Yeah, where we, played a brutal, brutal schedule and lost tough games and ended up home. And you know what? I think that was some motivation to make some changes this year and just to see a different team. And we've seen that different cat wildcat team, but yeah, my, I mean, injuries, we've all dealt with it. We've all seen mm-hmm. it. I mean, the first time I watched Eric Berrier play would have been what? 2018 when you guys came down for homecoming and it was six to nine. Yeah, it was, and it was cold and it was windy. And the fact that anybody scored in that game was impressive. (laughs) Yeah. First time we've been held to a non touchdown, I think in 10 years is, is pretty impressive. It was but, a cold day. It was really cold was, day. Was, yeah. So, so my my dad came to the game and didn't have warm clothing. <laughs> See, and I learned my lesson later that year when the Wildcats played Maine. I was not ready for that game. <laughs> and the next year when we played Montana in the quarters, mm-hmm. yeah, I made sure I was ready because I oh yeah froze my. You got him in December in Big Sky Country, man. Yeah, I learned hard. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Kyler, really want to thank you, man, for taking some time to chat with us about this national picture. Like I said, there's still a lot of moving parts, uh, some key games happening, not just this week, but next week. And I think that is what the, I mean, side note here, this is where the value of ESPN plus really comes into play because the only thing I'm missing right now is the CAA, which is a huge bummer. And I hope that one day they get on ESPN plus because then I've got it all and it's all mm-hmm. sitting on ESPN plus. I mean, I watched UT Martin get their butts kicked by Kennesaw state last week, which is, you know, we talked about the Ohio Valley thing. Like in my view, Martin doesn't belong, even though I like you guys, Yep, guys, you got hammered by Kennesaw state out. You're not good. You're not good. Uh, you don't belong in the playoffs. This is a famine situation. You shouldn't be there. Yeah. Uh, but I can I can flip around. I I watch Tennessee State get absolutely destroyed uh, by Semo. Um, I thought about going to that game, but then it was raining here in Nashville, and I didn't go. But there are so many good games that you can just flip on and watch yeah. on ESPN Plus. And so the next two weeks, if you if you've got your ESPN Plus, this is where you're going to make your money, folks. There's going to be so many good games to watch. Those SoCon games alone are worth the price of admission. They're fun. They're fun. 
Yeah, there, there's a lot of good teams. And if you got like the Xbox or something like that, you can actually put four games up at once, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So that's what I do every Saturday, right when I'm off work. You know, I'll go and watch all the games, sometimes a replay if I really wanted to see how this, you know, turned out. Because I do like to look at the grand scheme and the whole picture because I get questions from conferences three years ago I didn't follow. So I need to at least be competent enough to answer some of those questions. So I get it. The big sky is really tough, but there are some other really fun conferences out there, surprisingly, that that are at least fun games to watch. So if your team's not on, maybe, or you know, you're playing Northern Colorado and don't care, <laughs> turn on some Missouri Valley teams, turn on some SoCon games. Um, yeah, there, there's some fun games out there. Yeah. That last week, if you are feeling uh, for some fun, I got to tell you, Ivy League is something else. <laughs> yeah, you can get yeah, the Ivy's. Ivy is something else. Um, they are fun. I they get great recruits I, I, too. They do. They get they they do really well. And especially when you start getting to Penn Princeton and Harvard Yale and all that stuff, it's different. It, it's just yeah. a different that we just don't see here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Except for maybe crowds. Montana, Montana State. Yeah, they get good crowds. Yeah. Well, no, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. It's always fun chatting with you. I appreciate it. I think you guys do an amazing job at Weber State Weekly. Um, by far, not just one of the best Big Sky podcasts, but literally one of the best FCS Fools team podcasts in the nation. So, I mean, yeah, you guys do a fantastic job. So, I appreciate you having me on, man. My man. So, guys, make sure to check out Kyler. Like we said at the top of the of the segment, he's a, he's a regular on the FCS Fans Nation pod. Um, if you're looking to get more of a deep dive, go check that out. It's with uh, Jamie Williams, Matthew Frazee, and of course, our very own Kyler. Neil. And then also if you, if you're looking for that, I mean, basketball season is starting tonight. And so expect Eastern Washington to be, we'll be talking about this soon. Cause we'll, we'll get our basketball show up next week, but Eastern Washington is going to contend for the conference title folks. I hope um, so. Tyler is going to probably be talking about that on Eagles power hour. So if you want to get a deeper dive on the recruits that have come in, the, the guys that they had, the young guys that they had last year in their development, Check out the Eagles Power Hour podcast. Of course, a Big Sky podcast mem- network member just like us. So, Kyler Neal, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us here, man. Appreciate you. Perfect. Have a good one, guys. You too. Like we said, thanks again to Kyler Neal. Taking some time. Um, really giving us a, a good, I think, a good lay of the land on what what remains in the final two weeks. We've talked about the Wildcats remaining schedule, Idaho State. That'll be senior day this weekend. Um, Idaho State has been a very bad team. Their their new head coach is in his first year. They've been working through some stuff. Uh, it's been rough. Their their top receiver just got busted with DUI, so I don't think we'll see him this weekend. Um, they've just had uh, it's been a rough go for the Stripes this year. They've just continued to be bad. So expect a dub there. But that NAU game, we'll talk about it uh, next week. But man, it's uh, I mean NAU. It's 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 a game you should win, but. Mm-hmm. Weird things happen. Weird things happen in Flagstaff, but I have faith in Jay Hill. I have faith in the coaching staff that they are gonna get that they're gonna be as physically ready to go in that game as you can be. Like they're gonna be mentally ready, physically ready. Like they know. Like I, I, I don't see Jay Hill losing a, a Jay Hill coach team losing a bad game in the last week of the season. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about last week before we wrap up tonight. Um, 
So obviously, yeah, the Wildcats dropped this one to number two Sac State, lost to a green team. We obviously don't like that here at Weber State Weekly. We've talked about that often. You don't lose to the green teams, and we did just that. Uh, Wildcats lose to a, a good, a good Sac State team, but it feels like Sac State has just continued to just make that extra play and beat Idaho, make that extra play and beat Montana, make that extra play and beat Weber. You know, it's just a little bit more to pull out the dubs because they've all been close. And I, you know what? I give them all the credit in the world. Uh, They deserve that win. And they came and they, that game was miserable. It was cold. It was rainy. It was not fun. And for them to come in and win in an environment like that, they deserved it. Like they earned that one um, and can't say much about it. Yeah. So just, we talked a lot about containing the run game. The Wildcats did a an okay job of that. They held Sac State to 204 yards. That's 54 yards less than their average. They're, they normally get 258 yards a game um, and did a pretty good job, I felt, with Asher O'Hara. But I don't know, man. How would you rank that performance uh, defensively? Because it is a tough opponent. You tried to take away what they do well. But then they also burned you through the air, which I was really stunned by. Yeah. You know, I think that that was hard. And I think it's a good lesson. Um, I was not a huge fan of the defense. I think they played well, but they're good. And they showed us that they are capable of doing things. And we gave them some really big passing plays that was out of, you know, I, I get why we made those moves because you sell out. We have amazing D-backs. So you sell out on the run and hope that your D-backs can make plays and our D-backs didn't make, didn't make the, enough plays. Yeah, because there were some, some big PBUs, um, but a couple of really big momentum-shifting plays right. through the air that really made the difference for the Hornets, which right. I don't think, you know, when we talked about this, going into game day on the game day show with head co- uh, former coach Tom Stackeruck and with Simon Mortensen from the, the signpost, we didn't talk much about the ground, about the, the game through the air because we expected it to be buttoned up. And it was really about the focus on containing Ash O'Hara, Cameron Scadabo, which they largely did. Mm-hmm. And I mean, credit to Ash O'Hara. Like there were a couple of plays that I didn't expect him to throw the ball and he launched it downfield and was successful. And look, the fact of the matter is we kept that game to three and should have been worse. I think like I saw that game and Sac State was the better team. So uh, combing through the stats, I mean, because I watched the game just kind of checking things out, but then later going through the the stats, uh, something interesting popped out to me. And I guess I didn't realize it in the moment, but it was like, oh yeah, Weber State held Sac State to just a 33% conversion rate on third down. Sac State is the best third down converting team in the the conference. They average 52%. But the Wildcats flipped the script on them and they hit 52% on third down conversions when the Wildcats are, I think they're third in the conference at 43%. So the question is this, you're holding them relatively well on third down. You are converting yourself and moving the chains on third down for the most part. 
How come that didn't translate into points on the board? If you look at it, this was not Bronson's best game. Bronson was inaccurate. The longest pass play of the game was 19 yards. Right. Yes, we were completing third downs, but we were turning the ball over. We're making bad mistakes. Um, You know, I think we can all agree uh, we need to burn the white helmets. Um, I love the white helmets. That's what I said. That's what I I said. I love the white helmets, but I think it's, uh, you know, we've had two games and we've had two not great experiences. So I think it's time for those white helmets to go. No no more white helmets. Nope. No more white helmets. Yeah. Um, Jay, please no white helmets for the NAU game. No yes. white helmet, purple or black. Well, it's a it's a road game, so you should be wearing white, right? Um, no but white yeah, helmet. No white helmet, though. Um, yeah, you're right. not like the Wildcat offense tr- didn't try to throw the ball down the field because mm-hmm. they did. A lot of those balls just weren't catchable. Um, like right. you said, I, I felt like Bronson, he struggled in the first half, it seemed, to get mm-hmm. those opportunities because they tried to get the ball down the sideline to T-Mac in the way that they had in the past, they tried a couple of times Jacob Sharp down the field. One of those ended up being this like freak interception. It was just such a weird play where they, the, the Hornets just got lucky right. and came away with an interception on a play that really would have given the Wildcats a ton of momentum because it would have mm-hmm. put them like on the 20 or the 25 yard line. Massive pass play would have been the largest pass play for the Wildcats to that point. But in terms of passing, like it just wasn't there. And so Bronson Barron comes away with just a 39% completion percentage. But the weird thing is that he was only 57 yards below his average. Right. And I think this is one of those games that you, you don't burn the tape because nope. this is really good. This is really good tape because hopefully we see Sac State again. I would love it. I hopefully would, we see Sac State again. I would relish the chance to play Sac State in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Um, in dry, I think in in good weather we win that game. I think we win that game in good weather. Because um, I think Bronson is a little bit better. Bronson is a not, and we saw in Montana State, he struggles in weather, and yeah. that's just the style of quarterback that he is. He is. He's going to struggle in a bit in weather. Um, there were four or five drop passes against Montana State as well. Like yeah. Mason pointing that out. Like we can't be drop. We've got to be catching passes. We can't be making bad mistakes. Um, and yeah, like we need to be making sure that we we are playing. Mis- we are a good football team, but we are not the most skilled team out there. There are teams that will with better skilled players, but where Weber state has always been good is playing disciplined football, playing mistake free football. And our two losses, we've not played disciplined or mistake free football. Yeah. Another thing that I wanted to ask you, Steven, as I went through the run game was largely good for the mm-hmm. Wildcats. They, they rushed for 199 yards total. It, it would have been more, uh, but there was a third, the 33 yard loss on the safety, uh, which, you know, brought back ghosts. Luckily it didn't, it only happened the one time wished it hadn't happened at all because in my view, it was, it was the difference, right? You, oh, and you know, I'm not going to bury anybody. I'm not going to bury a student, but Jack, 
you had time. Get up, throw, run, or throw the football. If he threw the football and it was an incomplete pass, then they get the ball at the 30-something yard line. But run. Don't take you didn't have to take the safety. And he he even if you get the ball to the one yard line, that saves two points. But I mean, probably his thinking, though, is that if you bring the ball back out of the end zone and give them the short field, you're giving them seven points. Because that's what I thought, too. It's like, but you got I I don't know. You trust your defense to stand to stand up and hold them to hold them to the potential of three. But I I don't know. Or even attempt to kick. Like the problem is if he had stood up and he had looked, he had the potential to kick it. He could he could have taken a moment and gotten a good gotten a decent punt off to maybe get us to the forty. Hmm. There was nobody near him. Um, but again, I'm not going to bury the kid. Like he did he he did the safe play. It was the safe play when and it's probably what they're taught that when the you see yeah. the ball in the end zone, you just lie down and you take the safety. Yeah. Um, one other thing though, so back to the, the rushing thing, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a, a relatively good game. Got Josh Davis back, even though he was on and off the field, it doesn't feel like Josh Davis is healthy right now. It feels like he's trying, but he's back to being not, not at his healthiest again. Dante McMillan though, has another great game. He nets 73 yards in this one. Doesn't have any big breakout plays, but really does the work. One more time, he averages 4.3 mm-hmm. yards, which I'm not going to complain on. Josh Davis averaged five yards a carry in this game. So it's not like, well, Josh Davis had a bad game. No, he had a, he had a decent game. He had 60 yards net, didn't mm-hmm. lose any yards. Five yards a carry, that's a great game. But I wondered, did, did it feel like the Wildcats missed Damon Bankston a little bit? Because... Yeah. I mean, we have made known our love of Chris Jackson on this mm-hmm. on this this show, but Chris is a different kind of running back than Demond Bankston, who has that just really good speed. Chris is a, is somebody who can get through to the second level. That's a thing that he does. But Chris is not a, a back that's going to get out there in the open field and burn the DBs. Whereas Bankston ha- has proven that he can do that. Do you think missing Bankston as part of that three four headed monster yeah. and having that rotation of guys? maybe missed him more than we anticipated. I think so. And I think that in that weather, it could, he could have been a difference maker. Um, you know, and it's, it was wet. Saying, Chris, it, it was very wet and the ability to one, we know our turf better than the Sac state knows our turf. So you could have his speed could have been a difference maker in making them trip and making, and making good moves. Hmm. But, you know, to go back to Chris Jackson, you know, I constantly compare him to a uh, former Carolina Panther, Mike Tolbert. Hey, the, yes. The Mike full, Tolbert. Then where, the battering ram, dude. Yeah. Right, the battering ram. Like where he, he he's not going to rush for 100 yards. But he's there when you need him. And he's going to get you your three or four yards yep. for your first down or your touchdown. And he's going to, he's going to put up those stats where he's going to rush for 175 yards on the season, but he's going to have six touchdowns. seven yeah, touchdowns. Gonna, yeah. Short yarded situations. I mean, Chris mm-hmm. has shined in those, in those situations often. Um, but yeah, uh, he's really good at getting to that second level, getting through that, that line, hitting, hitting the, uh, 
hitting the holes and making guys pay. But like I said, in terms of speed, getting past guys, getting past that second level, Mm -hmm. not necessarily his strength, right? No. And I mean, again, and we ended up playing uh, Stephen Schultz Thomas, and that was a massive play in the game. And that was huge. That that was a a momentum killer. Yeah, uh, it was uh, because the Wildcats had just come away. Desmond Williams forces mm-hmm. the fumble. The Wildcats come away with it. Big play because now they're driving a chance to go ahead in the in the game. Which, by the way, we never pointed the Wildcats never led in this game not no. once. Uh, the closest they came was tying the game, but never mm-hmm. led. If that fumble doesn't happen, the Wildcats have the opportunity to go ahead, potentially, even if it's just a field goal. It puts them ahead. And like we've seen, that three points is the difference. Mm -hmm. Uh, Puts a little bit more pressure on Sac State to respond. But yeah, fumbling the ball was really costly. A momentum killer. Obviously, the young kid doesn't intend to fumble the ball. He doesn't want it. It was just... No. And, you know, looking at it, it was just a good hit. It was like... You can't do much about it, but does that happen? Like, we don't, we, we can't play what if. We can't play what if. We went out there, we played a good game. Sac State was three points better. You take this game, you stick it in the back of your head, you remember it, you sure. go out, you're going to, we put 50 on Idaho State. We, we beat NAU. I'm not going to say what we need to do to beat NAU, but we beat NAU. Just win. Yeah. Just win. We ju- just win. You know, just win, baby. And <laughs> not an L. Davis guy, but sure. <laughs> neither am I. I mean, hardcore Buffalo Bills fan. Oh, man. But I'm sorry. I hate the Jets. I'm, I'm stunned. Uh, yeah, not yeah. a good day. Not a yeah, good day. But, uh, but you, you move on and we look forward. <laughs> I see, I see what Kyler was saying about the about the seed issue and the same thing being and it being the same ideas as Iwu last year. I think with where I'm seeing the other seeds, I think we're probably a six or a seven. Um, and we move on and we go to the playoffs. And I think we are, we're a scary playoff team. I sure. wouldn't want to be. I don't want to be playing us in the playoffs because we have a good defense. And we have an offense that can move the ball. And I think we didn't really say this in the last segment, but I think that the interesting thing about this year's bracket is that there's no world beater out there. There's nobody that's that good. Like we're we're talking about Sac State potentially having a a case to be the number one team in the country, which I think that they do. The wins that they have. They have they have a, a very strong case to be the best team in the country, but we would gladly take a game against them again at their place because we want another shot. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I think Sac State not being one would just be because it's South Dakota State. Sure. And so and it's and it would be name ranked versus I think if you put them, I, th- I think if you blind tested them on paper, everybody would give it to Sac State over. Yeah, they've got. South Dakota State. Yeah, the resume is just, uh, it's good. Mm-hmm. Last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up this up, Abraham Williams, another kicked return for a touchdown. That is now three in his career, all three this season. So he's the, a sophomore, right? Yeah, he's a sophomore. Uh, okay. This is, and so we got, got a little, uh, got the stamp of approval from our very own mm-hmm. Rashid Shahid after that play, retweeted it, you know, had some nice things to say about Abraham Williams. Rashid's, NCAA record is seven. Abraham Williams has two years left. Um, he's got some, 
He's got some opportunity. <laughs> Does he tie or break the record? You know, I want to say yes, but who knows? Because who knows? if you remember at the end of Sheed's career, teams just weren't kicking it. Teams yeah. would rather kick it out of bounds than give him the opportunity to have the ball in his hands, which again, I get that. So next year, are we going to see the teams kicking the ball out of bounds rather than giving Williams a chance to return it? That may be, uh, is Abraham as fast as Rashid? Uh, yeah. I mean, it seems like on par, I mean, based on the success that he's had, He's honestly, they're very similar types of kids. They're just extremely great athletes. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of similarities between the two. Um, it, is he a corner? I, I, I don't even know what his position is. Yeah. yeah, he's DB. Yeah, corner. Yeah. I could see them moving him to wide receiver. Sure. I could see his hands are good. I, he's fast. He's... Agile, I could see them playing. They did that with Jacob Sharp, right? They moved Jacob Sharp from a DB over to wide receiver, and that's been a great move this season. Mm -hmm. So I think that you could see him. Um, I would love to see him in some of the sheet role as, uh, I mean, Devin Hester, another person who was a cornerback. Devin Hester, you. I like that, Bobby. Devin Hester got moved to wide receiver because he could make plays. Yeah. I uh, can't wait to see uh, because it was just absolutely that touchdown it's, came at such a critical time because the, the Hornets had gone up three scores. I think at that point, right. It was 16 points. I think it was Abraham, three to 14. Yeah. Yeah. Abraham Williams comes back and mm-hmm. gets that touchdown and it gets the Wildcats right back in the game because of that um, when they really, really needed it. Yeah. So, and he's done that. He, he keeps like, he keeps doing it where it's that mo it's that he's been the spark plug for this team on multiple times where we're out of games or we it's bad and he comes out and does something and it's a difference maker. Yeah. So guys, um looking at the upcoming schedule then, that's the Sac State game. Obviously close loss, 33 to 30. Uh wouldn't mind seeing that team again in the playoffs. It was a close one. Um one rematch with Astro O'Hara. Um but we'll see how things shake out and if the Wildcats can make it through the playoffs and just how the bracket comes to be on Selection Sunday, um, which is on November 20th. So this week, uh, this is the final home game of the season, of the regular season. We don't know what will happen in the playoffs. But Saturday, November 12th, uh, Senior Day against the Stripes. Idaho State's coming to Ogden. Uh, 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Tickets at Weaver State's. Sports.com, ESPN Plus, or you can watch it on K Podcast. I learned this week that the Wildcats have in the in the university archives a train bell, which was apparently a trophy exchange between Idaho State and Weber State back in the set in the late 60s and into the 70s. The Wildcats were the last to win it, and so it sat in the archives for 40, almost 50 years, roughly. I think the last time they exchanged it was 1973. So I was going to message the coaching staff and say, Hey, what do you guys say about bringing the trophy out? I don't think that there's any, there's a very slim chance that it does, that it leaves Ogden. I think that it stays in Ogden. So let's just bring it out for the game and just uh, let folks see it. I don't know. We'll text them and see what they think, but uh, I'd love to see that. (coughs) Then the following week, uh, last 
regular season game of the year. Wildcats take the trip up to Northern Arizona, like we've talked about. That is super high up there, 6,600 feet. Um, that game will be against the Jacks, 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, ESPN Plus, or I've heard that a number of Wildcat fans are making the trip to go to Phoenix. Then if you go to Phoenix, you have to drive two hours north to go to Flagstaff to go to the game. I've still got my eyes peeled. I still have hope. I'm holding out hope that maybe there's a flight deal to get to Phoenix. It's not looking good, but I'm still holding out hope. Weekend before Thanksgiving, probably not your, probably not the best time to be lucky. Yeah, and that's the thing that's killing me, right? Is like, ah, uh, it's such a, such a tough time to fly. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of Wildcat fans are going. And so... I mean, and flight deals from from Salt Lake to, to Phoenix are relatively cheap. I mean, there are lots of flights all the time because it, it's, it's also, a hub. It's also like a 10-hour drive. It's not a bad drive. Yeah. So there you go. Um, so think about that, folks. And then Selection Sunday will be Sunday, November 20th. The FCS playoff selection show is at 10.30 a.m. ESPNU. Uh, we'll be watching that just to kind of see how things shake out one way or another. Uh, uh We'll wrap up the show. Weber State Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Patreon. We want to thank our patrons. And then WeberStateWeekly.com. Stephen, want to thank you so much for taking some time to chat football with me tonight, man. Yeah. Really appreciate it. We'll wrap it up like we always do. Weber State, Weber State. Great, great, great. Go Wildcats. Wildcats.